before uh, I pass the time to Elder Han Ming, I'm going to uh, read um, to us Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verse 1 to 14, um, as a kind of remem- uh, reminder and or, or a foundation to today's uh, message, um, where Elder Han Ming is going to speak on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 18. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and things on earth in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in christ might be to praise of his glory in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him we seal was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Amen. Thank you, Elder Victor, for reading the scriptures and a happy anniversary, brothers and sisters. In fact, uh, I'm very thankful uh, for this church. I always tell people this uh, CDPC is my first church, even though I've been going to many churches before that, but I feel that this is where I belong. So in fact, I'm very proud to be part of the church because of the brothers and sisters that uh, I have here with me. In fact, I still remember before we planted this church uh, 12, 2009, 13 years ago, I saw this uh, young man from uh, America came to Malaysia and, you know, was uh, walking around in uh, this Maidin, you know. I remember this guy was, he was telling me this, that uh, he's trying to look for people to, you know, have conversation, you know, to get to know him and to, to share the good news with him. And then later that guy came to join us for two years and he decided to go back 
not for good, but to prepare himself. Theologically, he went to Bible college and then he came back. <laughs> I guess you know who I'm talking about. I think Pastor Micah was the one who came 13 years ago for two years, went back, prepared himself, and come back to CDPC Puchong. So I'm very grateful for people like uh, Pastor Micah. And about the same time too, I met uh, Sandy, I think about in Pastor Wong's house. At that time, he was trying to explore uh, you know, the, this opportunity to serve in Malaysia. And now we see uh, Sandy and family came here to serve us. This region, of course, he has ministry outside the church. And they actually settled down here by buying a house here. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> so when I look at people like uh, Pastor Micah or Sandy and family, and our own example, Pastor Wong himself, who was an engineer, you know. Uh, engineer at that time supposed to make quite a, a fair good of money, but he quit the job and went full-time to serve the Lord as full-time pastor. I still remember sometimes he said he went for uh, friends gathering, you know, with the friends. Many of them drive big cars, you know, <laughs> a very successful engineer, you know. And he looked at himself, I'm a pastor, you know, with, with a, a moderate car and uh, uh, riches. But I don't think he, he had felt any regret in choosing to serve God full time. So sometimes I wonder why they have this kind of uh, heart for God and for the church. And uh, compared to myself, I. I do not have that kind of desire and this strong feeling to sort of sacrifice myself, my career, you know, uh, my money, you know, riches, to do what they, like what they do. So I'm very curious, you know, sometimes I always ask people in the full-time ministry, what, what happened? Did you hear a, a, a voice or something like that? You know, what kind of miracles you have experienced you know, to make you to go full-time. So, I suspect as i grown in my walk with Christ, I suspect they have seen something that we have not seen. Some of us may not have seen. And probably they have experienced something that we have yet to experience fully. Uh, in fact, I'm not talking about only full-time minister ministry. In the full-time uh, Ministry, even among us, brothers and sisters, I'm very encouraged that a lot of faithful brothers and sisters who have been serving uh, the church and people faithfully. And uh, in fact, I want to acknowledge uh, our brothers and sisters who are in the who are we call the the sixth series. <laughs> we we're talking about Kai within the sixth series. You know, I, I learned a lot from them. If, I, if you don't mind, I review your age. I think like Monica, Linda, even uh, recently, Phillips and Josephine, you know, and uh, N.I., Dr. Dr. Leong and uh, Mui Gek. They, they are the ones I feel encouraged to continue 
into this ministry and, uh, and serving. I think we have a lot to learn. Of course, there are many other people I would not uh, mention. Otherwise, uh, your, your age will be revealed. And uh, I think probably they have experienced something or they have seen something that we have not. Some of us might have not. So I, as I'm preparing for today's uh, sermon, I think that maybe this today's passage might give us a glimpse of what happened to, uh, to them. And probably one of the reasons why they have chosen to serve God and to prioritize the church ministry and people instead of their career advancement. So maybe we will read the passage for today. Today's passage is continuation from the uh, Ephesians series uh, from uh, Ephesians 1, 15 to 18. I'll read, For this reason, because I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Father, we want to thank you uh, for your word. Lord, sometimes we may not understand a lot of things, but Lord, we pray that you help us to understand that your spirit will illumine us to see the glorious truth that you have given to us and so that we can continue to pursue you, to know you better uh, through our studying of your word and through our prayers. Help me a lot to share your word so that uh, it will be helpful for, for those who listen uh, that they can see clearer and to know better about you. Help me and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you see the passage uh, of today's passage, it starts out with the word for this reason. Whenever you see this word uh, in the Bible study, they will tell you to go back to what is previous uh, from before this passage. Pastor Micah have gone through uh, the sermon series until uh, chapter chapter 1, 1 to verse 10 and uh, Elder Philip just uh, finished from uh, 11 to 14 uh, three weeks ago then today we continue with 15 to 18 but we have to look back to what actually happened before today's passage very briefly we have learned that God has blessed his people with many spiritual blessings and God has chosen us to be holy and blameless before him in verse 4 he predestined us for adoption to sonship in verse 5 he redeemed us through his blood in him we obtain the inheritance and seal with the promise of the Holy Spirit the down payment of the promised inheritance and all these blessings if you notice if you read carefully are given to the praise of God's glory 
to the praise of God's glory. So the question now is after knowing that we have this blessed uh, blessing, we have this blessing in verses 3 to 14, will we as a Christian see the glory of God in those passages, in those spiritual blessings, so that we can praise God for His glory, do the praise of God's glory. The answer is no. Unless, unless God has given us something that is spelled out in Paul's prayer in today's passage. So if you notice today's passage, you see how God how Paul prayed for the Ephesians Christians. Before he prayed, Paul told us that he never ceased thanking God for their faith in Jesus and their love for one another. If you notice that he thanked God, you know, he's not thanking the efficient Christians for being faithful, for being loving, but Paul thanked God. Because he knew clearly that in Ephesians, him himself said in Ephesians 2.8, he said that by faith, you have been saved through, through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. So he's happy for the faith and love of the efficient Christian, but yet God deserves the glory, God deserves the praise, because he's the one who had given them the faith and the love. He was so overjoyed with the people of Ephesians for their love and faith. So that brings us, bring, bring, bring up a question to us. Whenever we see someone, you know, some brothers or sisters who has come to know the Lord, you know, serve faithfully, you know, expressing love for others, will we feel that kind of thanksgiving in our heart? like Paul. So probably that is a, some kind of indication of our heart. We, we have this kind of feeling, you know, we, 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 this outburst of praise from our heart for the conversion of one brothers or sisters. Just last week, we have uh, 30, how many? Twelve of them, yeah, three baptism and uh, nine uh, membership. So I was very happy to see three sisters have been baptized. Probably one of the reasons is because two of them are my own daughters. But not only that, in fact, I'm equally happy for Shin Min, whom, whom I've just met a few, just a few weeks ago. I got this opportunity to interview her and get to know her story. I was so happy that she decided to publicly declare her faith in Christ and decided to join us and to be baptized into this church. 
and also the nine other mem members I have a good friendship with them in fact I have opportunity to, to interview them in the membership class and I'm so encouraged by their testimony and by their love and commitment to God and to His church uh, in, in CDBC Puchong so brothers and sisters how do we react when people come to the Lord probably that will be one of the indication to see our heart whether we will rejoice like Paul for the conversion of one brother or one sisters. So Paul talks about faith and love a lot in his letter. In fact, uh, some of us may know that Paul always talk about faith, love and hope. This is what they call the uh, Pauline triad. It's just like the Tigers uh, Kawan. They're always together. But today we, we look at this faith and love in other places too, he mentioned a lot. If you look at the slide, in 1 Thessalonians 3.6, Timothy has come to us from you and has brought you the good news of your faith and love. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. Follow the patterns of the sound words, and you will hear from me in the faith and love they are in Christ Jesus. And you can see from these three passages that faith and love are always bound together and they are always indispensable to each other. It basically means when you have faith, you have love. If you look at another two passages, Galatians 5-6, For Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So faith will produce love. So saving faith, if you notice, is such a nature that it will free us from selfishness, it will free us from agreed and you free us for love basically it means that we cannot have this authentic Christian love without faith and we cannot have this authentic faith if we do not have love so Paul begins his letter to Ephesians celebrating their love faith and love and he will end the letter actually he ended the letter by a benediction with faith and love too. I'll just read in chapter 6, 23. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all with love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So they were sent away with love and faith. So we as Christians today, we should know that those of us who have the saving faith in Christ, who have this love for Jesus, and we have this love 
for His people. We will have this faith producing love to love one another among us in this community. Of course, we recognize that there are, we are all in different stages of our life, in different uh, journey of our pilgrimage, and some may be able to love more than the other. But yet, you, you know that the love has already begun when you have this saving faith. This is because once we have this saving faith, our hearts have changed. God has removed the heart of stones and give us a heart of flesh that will allow us, enable us to genuinely love God and His people. So that's faith and love Paul was talking about. Although Paul was celebrating the Ephesians' faith and love that they expressed, he continued to pray for them in verses 17 to 19. He prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the same, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. So Paul was praying to God the Father, if you notice, who is also called the Father of Glory in verse 17, if you look at it. God is called the Father of Glory because Paul has already shown us in verses 3 to 14 the deeds of God in the election, uh, in the adoption, redemption, inheritance are not only about the acts of redemption but also about God's glory too. If you notice the aim of all the acts in verses 3 to 14 is stated three times. That is, to the praise of His glorious grace. To the praise of His glory and to the praise of His glory. May I have the next slide? Yeah. If you look at that, it appeared three times in that passage. So you know that the aim is to the praise of God's glory. So he's called the Father of glory. And his prayer Paul's prayer is meant to help us to see the glory of God in three things he prayed for. He prayed for the eyes of our hearts to be open, to see, firstly, the hope to which He has called us, and secondly, the riches of His glorious inheritance in us, and thirdly, the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us. So Paul asked God to give the Ephesians Christian the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So if you study this passage and you compare the different verses, version of the Bible, you notice something different. The word spirit. In certain version, the S, spirit, is capital letter, as in ESV, NIV. But if you check N NASB or some other verses, the S is small. <laughs> Why is that so? 
because if you study from the commentaries, the original language, it can be interpreted both ways. It can mean the Holy Spirit, that is capital S, or our, our human spirit, which will be capital S. So, which is which? If you want to go deep, you can go further to study. There are different views. But what I can say now for the time being is that whatever view you take, the Holy Spirit has got to do with it. And to me, probably is both the Holy Spirit as well as the human spirit. Because even if you take the view that it is human spirit of wisdom and revelation, that spirit is shaped and it is illumined by the Holy Spirit. But otherwise, we would not able to know God without the illumination of the Holy Spirit. So, I would say Holy Spirit interpretation or human spirit interpretation, the role of the Holy Spirit is involved. So, and then we will see what is the effect of the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. If you read on, it is the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. So in one sense, as Christians, the Ephesians already known God. That's why they are called the Christian. That's why they can express love and faith. But Paul was not praying for their salvation. But he was praying for them so that they would know God better. The knowledge of God that Paul is referring to is not the usual knowledge we mention or we know. It's not hate knowledge or intellectual understanding. In fact, if you remember in Mark, this demon said to Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And we don't want that kind of knowledge. The demons know it, but that's not the knowledge we want. And in Romans 1.21, Paul talks about another kind of knowledge. He said, For although they knew God, they did not honour Him as God for give, or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. We too do not want this kind of knowledge. People like Bart Ehrman, who is an atheist New Testament scholar, he would have known a lot of uh, Bible uh, theology about the New Testament, but yet he does not know God. And we do not know, we do not want that kind of knowledge either. But having said that, I must stress that the head knowledge, the intellectual understanding and proper understanding of the Bible is very, very important. But that alone is not sufficient. So what is the knowledge of God that Paul is talking about here? I think Dr. Liang has uh, said 
a few times about this knowledge. This knowledge is not mere knowledge, but is an experiential and relational knowledge. In fact, if you look at the Bible when in Genesis 4.1, when it says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. You might be surprised why I'm comparing to this passage. In fact, the knowledge of Paul is talking about is parallel to this kind of intimate relationship, this type of bonding, this kind of covenant love, affection between husband and wife. We have also learned from Dr. Leong in the study of the book of Hosea 2, 19-20, where God says to Israel, you can see on the slide, I betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. The relationship between God and His people is likened to a marriage relationship. So the question now is, do you have this kind of experiential and this uh, relational knowledge of God? John also tells us about what it means to know God. In John, 1 John 2, 3, he says that we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever say, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And in John 5, 3, he says, This is love for God, to keep His commands. And His command is not burdensome. So what is God's commandment? When asked about this, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered, Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So, what we can learn from John is that to know God is also to keep His commands. And the greatest commandment is to love God. And the second is to love His people. That means to know God is also to love God. Does it sound familiar? I think those of us, we, if we're old enough, we'll remember this this old tagline uh, for this uh, Malaysian tourism. To know Malaysia is to love Malaysia. Do you remember? I think some of us can even sing it, but it must be <laughs> of certain age. So remember this, to know God is also to love God. All of us who are Christian, in one sense, we've already known God, because otherwise, we will not be a true Christian if we do not. But the question it now is whether you know God better than last year, will you be knowing Him better in the years to come? Basically, are you growing in your knowledge of God, in your love for God? So in verse 18, Paul prayed for the Ephesians that their eyes and eyes of heart be enlightened 
to see the hope of his calling, the riches of glorious inheritance, and the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward them. When the Bible talks about heart, it basically means your whole being. It basically means the center of our physical and spiritual being with our intellectual understanding and our personal affection bound together. So the eyes of our heart needs enlightenment. Because without enlightenment from God, we will still be in darkness. In fact, in Ephesians 4, 17-18, Paul says that you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance of that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. The reason why a person is not able to see and know God is because of this blindness and because he prefers to remain in darkness. And underneath this blindness and underneath this darkness is the hardness of heart. So if your heart hardened, if you are, you will not be able to see God. Knowing that the eyes of the hearts need enlightenment, Paul was praying for the light of God to be shown into their hearts so that they can see the glory of God. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul said this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this is the solution God has provided to his people who was once in darkness and now come to light through the redemptive work of Jesus. So the purpose of the prayer of enlightenment is so that we as the listener, the Bible reader, would know three things. First, the hope to which he has called us. Second, the glorious inheritance in the saints. And lastly, the power, immeasurable greatness of the, the immeasurable greatness of power toward us. And today we will only deal with the first two. And Pastor Wong will be preaching on this immeasurable greatness of power in verses 19 to 23 next Sunday. So let's come to this hope to which God has called us. So what is this hope in which God has called us? What is this calling? Paul, in many of his letters, talks about this calling. And I put it in on the slide, some of the passages where he talks about our calling. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of my witnesses. We extorted, exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And Peter said the similar thing about the calling. The next slide, you see First Peter says, 
But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So from all these passages, it's very clear that we are called to eternal life into his own kingdom and glory. We are called out of darkness into light. We are called to God's glory. Essentially, this is our certain hope to be called to be with God in glory forever. And this hope is not merely our wish, which may or may not happen. When we talk about hope in the Bible, it is certain to happen. It is 100% guaranteed. Because Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, 24. I think there's a slide for that too. This is the promise of God. He who called you is faithful. Our God is faithful. He will surely do it. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. For the gifts and the calling of God is irrevocable. So we have just seen that the hope of this calling is to be with God in glory forever. And we know that God is faithful and his calling is irrevocable, which means it cannot be cancelled, it will surely happen. And Paul's prayers for God's people is to see this glorious calling and to the glorious destination to be with God forever. So now we know with certainty our glorious hope in the future. What are we to do now? Do we wait, relax, you know, sit back and just wait for it to come? In fact, Paul tells us what to do while we're still here, hoping for the coming of this glorious destination. In Ephesians 4, 1-4, I therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. So Paul is urging Christians to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So in your workplace, how do you treat your colleagues or your boss or your subordinates? So students in school, do you turn in your homework on time or at all? So at home, parents, how do you treat your, pa your children? And children, do you obey your parents as God has called you to? And those who are in the business, 
Do you participate in corrupt practices in your, comp in your business? Are you expressing your faith in Jesus by loving others? Are you walking in the manner worthy of this glorious calling of our God? We have to constantly ask these questions to ourselves and to remind ourselves that the hope to which God has called us and we should walk in the manner worthy of this glorious calling. So Paul also prayed that the eyes of our hearts can see the riches of his glorious inheritance in the same. Elder Phil the Hart has dealt with this inheritance in the earlier sermon on uh, verses 11 to 14. And he explained there are two different views on whether this glorious inheritance is God's inheritance or it is our inheritance. Of course, uh, for those of us who have listened to the sermon, he's of the view that it can be both. It should be both. It is God's inheritance as well as our inheritance. It's like God is saying to his people, you are my people and I am your God. It's like a husband talking to the wife, you are mine. Then the wife talked to the husband, you are mine. So who belongs to who? So both. And for those who like to listen to that sermon, you can listen it online if you have missed uh, the sermon. But one thing I would like to stress is that isn't it glorious that our God will regard us? We remember we were once sinners, rebelled against Him, and now He regards us as a church, the people of God. As, this, as his treasured possession. Oh, can you phantom that kind of uh, the love of God for us? We are unworthy, but he treats us as treasure. So, you, you must also remember that we belong to God and God belongs to us. God owns us and we are meant to go to this, this calling that He will call us in glory with Him forever. So in our time with God, in our quiet time or any time we are studying the Bible or when you are praying, I think from today's passage, we should always ask God for the eyes of our hearts to be enlightened in order to see Him clearer and to know Him uh, better, to know Him deeper. And I truly believe that those who have gone into full-time ministry, like I've mentioned earlier, and those people who, has, who are passionate about God and His people, who serve God, who show love for other people, who exhibit this all these characteristics of a godly Christian, I believe 
their eyes are enlightened. I think they have seen the, the great, like the Bible says, the parable of the, the pearl of great value. And now their priorities are different. They know their priorities, what is pleasing and what is good to God. Of course, all of us are different in our journey, our spiritual journey. We are to walk this journey together as God's people, as church. So in CDPC, we are supposed to come together to help one another to walk this journey. We are not alone. Praise God, we are called to love one another. We are called to build up one another. We are, we are called to help one another in our walk uh, with Christ. So today we celebrate our 12th anniversaries. So let us as a church continue to study God's word and to pray that our eyes and our hearts will be enlightened to see the glory of God. And while we hope for this glorious destination, this glorious calling of God to be with him in glory forever, let us continue to live our lives and walk in the manner worthy of this glorious calling of God. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. Lord, we, we know that sometimes we fall short of what you have called us to do. And you know our hearts and our desire. We want to see you clearer we want to know you better. Lord, we pray the Lord, your spirit will enlighten us, will open our eyes to see this wonderful blessing that you have given us and this calling that you have called us. Lord, help us to constantly be reminded of our calling and to walk in a manner which is worthy of this glorious calling. Help us as a church and help us to help one another in our pursuit of you, in our pursuit to glorify your name. Lord, use our church, use our people for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.